we, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Hallelujah for this wonderful day where we celebrate your resurrection. Yes, we pray, Lord, that you will draw all men unto yourself this day, across this whole land and around the whole world, where people's hearts are turned towards you, Lord, that you will do wonderful things, miracles of resurrection, of life and hope in many hearts and lives. Thank you now that we can look into your word together and allow it to speak to our hearts and change us by your mighty power. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. And just a reminder that, of course, Hebrews was written to wavering Hebrew Christians who had been brought up in the traditions and the ways of the Old Testament, the sacrifices, the rituals, the feasts, all the real rules and regulations, and now... They put their faith in Jesus. Some of them understood that Jesus was the sacrifice for sins and that he had paid the price and was the fulfillment of the law. But yet there was this there was this pull for them to continue in the rituals and the traditions that they had been brought up in. After all, it was their comfort zone. It was their their familiar it was familiar to them. And so there were questions, what should we do, what should we not do, and um, how, should we, um, how should we carry on um, now that we do believe in Jesus. And um, this, this book is an answer to all of those questions. And it shows how Jesus was the perfect fulfillment, that it was not necessary any longer to go back to those rituals and to continue in the traditions of the elders, so to speak. But now they were, they, were, they were come to the real deal, to the genuine article. Jesus was the fulfillment. And so we've seen that he started, the writer to the Hebrews starts with the, the thought of God's omnipotence and preeminence and how he's greater than angels. And that was one of the things that the Jewish people clung to, that uh, the oracles of God had been given to them through, through angels. And he shows how Jesus was better than the angels, that he was made a little lower than the angels, that all the angels worshipped him at his birth. And now we're going to come to the place where he starts to talk to them about Moses, because Moses was, again, the person that they held in high honor because God had given him the law, right? He had written with his finger on the, on the tablets of stone, given it to Moses. Moses came down from the mount, his face shone. Moses had spent 40 days and 40 nights in the presence, in the, in the presence of God Almighty. And so they held him very high. And there was no one who they revered more than they did Moses. Moses was like... Maybe Abraham, uh, they, they did because he was the father of, of the nation. But <clears throat> Moses was right up there through him. The law had been given. So we pick it up there today. So my dear Christian friends, companions, in following this call to the heights, take a good hard look at Jesus. He's the centerpiece of everything we believe. Faithful in everything God gave him to do. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers, and there's that word partakers, one of the words that we're uh, noting as we go through. We're partakers. We're not just observers. We're not just uh, spectators watching um, somebody else in that, in really, in, in truly, in the 
Old Testament. They were basically spectators. The only time they came to participate was when they transferred their sins onto the animal or brought the animal. And even then, they were really spectators because the priest would kill the animal and do the whole thing. And they were spectators. They were on the outside looking in. But we're not spectators anymore. We're partakers. We're part of the whole thing. Hallelujah. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Now he's going to show how Jesus, who came and who they now believe in, is greater than Moses. And in their thinking, no one was greater than Moses. He says Moses was faithful in what God gave him to do, and he was, wasn't he? He was faithful. He bore with those people. He pleaded for those people when, when God would have destroyed them. Moses said, no, don't do that. Don't blot out your name. He said, the people all know how, the Egyptians know how you brought us out with a mighty hand and all the nations around, and what will they think of your name? And he, he, he kept God from destroying them. God said, I'll make a nation out of you greater than this. And Moses said, no, no, let them live. So Moses was a great man. But Jesus gets far more honor. A builder is more valuable, is more valuable than a building any day. Every house has a builder, but the builder behind them all is God. Moses did a good job in God's house, but it was all servant work, getting things ready for what was to come. Christ, as a son, is in charge of the house. Now, Moses, he had to be instructed by God, right? Moses didn't come up with the idea for the tabernacle and how to worship God and what the sacrifices were and the rituals, right? So God entrusted him with the instructions and, and, and believed he would carry them out, and he did. But that's not how Christ came. Christ didn't have to go to somebody and get instructions. Christ came as the builder. As the architect, the chief architect, okay, he was the one with the plans. And he was unfolding the plan as he lived and as he walked and as he died on the cross and, and ascended and descended, he was unfolding the plan. And it wasn't, he wasn't um, um, following somebody else's plan. When a builder goes to build a house, somebody has to write the plans, right? And some builders have that knowledge, but not all of them do. But they have to follow those plans, right? Because somebody sat and drew them up, probably with the owners, and those plans have to be followed. Moses had to follow the plans. The people who worked on the tabernacle, they couldn't just say, well, I, I like green paint, so I'll put some green paint over here. No. God had every detail laid out for them. They had to follow the plan. But now Jesus came, and he was better than all of that because he was the plan. He was the architect of it all. Hallelujah. And so he shows them how he was better than Moses because he was the builder of the house. He didn't have to have somebody tell him how to build it. He was the builder. He was the architect. Hallelujah. So now if we can only keep a firm grip on this bold confidence, we're the house. That's why the Holy Spirit says, today, please listen, don't turn a deaf ear, as in the bitter uprising that came in wilderness testing. Okay, but um, going back to the New King James. But Christ is a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. And there's a condition, isn't there? Moses was faithful over his house as a servant, but Christ was faithful over his house 
as the owner, as the builder. Okay? And so we need to hold fast, hold fast, hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing of our hope firm to the end. And we need to understand and get this that if, you know, when under Moses' law, if they did not comply, if they did not do what was written in the laws, what happened? There was tremendous punishment, wasn't there? There was punishment for picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. I mean, you know, I mean, it was it was rigid. It was rough. It was not. And I, I, I've been reading lately in um, Deuteronomy where Moses goes over the laws and regulations with them, and it was it was tough stuff. It was very. It was brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. It was swift, just punishment. It was not like what we have today of corruption and bribery. And no, no it, was, it was really different. And so he's, what he's saying here is if that law that was given by Moses through God and through the oracles of God, if that people were... It cost them their life if they disregarded it. And he's saying, how much more? It's not less now. How much more shall we be held accountable if we don't grab onto this, if we don't, if we don't treasure this, if we don't live this, if we don't embrace this? What's going to happen to us? We're, we're going to be judged hard, hard for, for, for missing it. So we don't want to miss it, and that's, that, that's one of his big points uh, repeatedly throughout the book. So therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, and that's a big theme that we have to get, that when, in God's realm, it's only today. We only have today. I mean, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, of course. We understand that. But as humans, all we have is today. We don't have yesterday, and we don't have tomorrow. So today, we have to embrace and do what God gives us to do today. And we can't live in regret for what we failed to do yesterday, and we can't live constantly in anticipation of what we're going to do tomorrow. We have today. And so we have to work with God's Holy Spirit flowing through us in today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. And I'm going to go back to the Message Bible today. Please listen. Don't turn a deaf ear as in the bitter uprising, that time of wilderness testing. Even though they watched me at work for 40 years, your ancestors refused to let me do it my way. Over and over, they tried my patience, and I was provoked. Oh, so provoked. I said they'll never keep their minds on God. They refused to walk down my road. Exasperated, I vowed they'll never get where they're going, never be able to sit down and rest. And, of course, that is a quote, a direct quote from um, the Old Testament. Yes, it is from the Psalms today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And so then he goes on and he says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And this is, I, th- I believe, the next warning. I don't have the paper in front of me, but here he says to them, what he's saying to them is, you know, the... The Israelites, they went into the wilderness, and God had just performed ten outstanding, phenomenal, unforgettable miracles for them with the plagues, never mind opening the Red Sea and drowning all the Egyptians, right? That was really the eleventh by that time, right? (laughs) I mean, it was part of the tenth one yet still, right? But, 
but what I'm saying is the tenth one really was the, that their, their firstborn were, were spared because that was the Passover. And then when they get to the Red Sea, God opens the sea for them miraculously, brings them through, and now they're in the wilderness. And it was a test. They could have made it to the promised land in two weeks if they had, if they, you know, it was a two-week journey. Let's put it that way. I mean, it may be with a multitude of people in a month, whatever. But it wasn't, it wasn't a 40-year journey that, necess- that it wasn't necessary for it to be 40 years. And it was because instead of them, when they, had, and they came in, you know, there were a lot of people. And sometimes the water was bitter. You know the story. And sometimes they didn't have bread or whatever. Whatever. They had needs. Things happened. And never. God was always looking to see, will they remember what I did for them? How I got them out of Egypt? And what did they remember instead? They remembered the food they had in Egypt. Oh, we wish we had the onions and the leeks and the garlic. And oh, we wish we were back in Egypt. Hello? You were slaves in Egypt. What are you saying here? And never once did they think back and say, wow, we had a mighty God. that will, Our God delivered us with a, a mighty hand out of Egypt. Now he must have a solution to this problem. And so let's go to Moses and let's ask him to go to God and see what God has for us. They never did that, did they? They always complained. They were ready to kill Moses, stone Moses, stone Aaron. They were always grumbling and griping and never had that confidence and that, that thought never crossed their mind. Wow, God must, let's see what God's going to do here. God must have a great supply because look, he, he brought us out here. He didn't bring us out here to kill us. They didn't, it's, it's telling us that in their hearts, they didn't really believe they didn't want to be slaves, and when they were in Egypt, they were, they, were, they were in bondage. They were in a hurtful place, so they were, they were willing to get out of that. But they didn't really believe. They didn't really get it. They didn't really believe that God, this God, Jehovah, who was leading them by a cloud of, a pillory, a cloud of pillar in the, by day and a cloud of fire by night, they didn't really believe and embrace that he was alive, that he was a living God, and yet that was his name. God, I am, I am who I am. I am a living God. And so they didn't get it. And the writer to the Hebrews is urging us here and urging the Hebrew Christians at that time to get it. God is still looking for us as believers. We call ourselves believers. That's why this book is so incredible and succinct in the way it brings things together. It's going to tell us in a chapter or two, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that's what the Israelites never got. That God was looking for them to trust him, to believe in him. And he's still the same today. God doesn't change. He, we call ourselves believers. And what he's looking for in our lives when we come into a test or a, a, a lack or a need, there's a need. And what do we do? What do we say? Oh, my goodness. Now, what am I going to do? Now, whoever thought, how could this happen to me? That's exactly what God is waiting to see if we're going to say, wait a minute. I have a God who knows how to meet this need. And I don't know how. I don't see how right now. But I know, God, that who you are, and I know whom I have believed, and that's what he's looking for in our hearts. And it's easy to talk about, but it's another thing to live. And, and God is looking for us to live it. And may God impart to us 
more strength and more power that when we get into the tough stuff and we get into the ugly and the nasty and the stuff that's hard to understand, that we will still stand in our trust and faith and say, but God, I know you're faithful and I know you're with me. And sometimes that's all we can say is, I, I just I know you're with me. I don't understand this, but I know you're with me. But he's looking for that. God is looking for that. Jesus said to his disciples, when the Son of Man comes, will he find what? Faith on the earth. That's what he's looking for. Trust in our hearts that it, no matter what, it's settled. We know, I know you are Jehovah. I know you are my God. I know whom I have believed. And so we have to get it in our warp, in our woof, in our bloodstream, in our genes, in every bit of our whole being that we know, that we know, that we know who Jesus is and who he is to us. And no matter what, no matter what, the foundations be removed, the, the earth may quake, everything may go and everything may come, whatever happens, I still know. That I know that I know that Jesus is my Savior and that he has the supply and he's good and he has abundance and he has what I need and he can meet this need. And so, you know, it's like I said, you know, we don't we're, we're not looking back at them and saying, oh, how terrible they are. We probably done the same thing in their shoes. Get, getting out into the wilderness and having to walk through the dusty desert and, and everything, we'd, we'd probably not done any better. But the writer to the Hebrews is saying to us, learn from this example. Learn from this example. Learn. Don't repeat the mistakes. Get it. And, and what good is, the, is, is studying the history aside from that? We learn from it. That's the whole point, is that we want to learn from old mistakes yes. so that we don't do them over and over and over again. And so we need to pray that God will help us to get it in our souls and in our beings, in our whole spirits, that we will not fail in every test. You know, sometimes there's things, and, and God doesn't give up on us, but he's looking for us to get it at some point in time. And so we want to, don't we? We don't want to always be failing and falling down over and over again. We want to get it. And he's faithful. He picks us up. He cleans us off. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And there are going to be rewards for those who are faithful and true, aren't there? We see that in the book of Revelation where they're casting their crowns. And these are faithful and true. And they've made themselves pure. And they've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Well, Jesus is looking for those who are going to be faithful and true. And he's looking for faith in your heart and in my heart. And not just in the good times, but in the bad times. And so, he says now here this morning, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And, you know, we don't think of unbelief as being evil. And yet that's what the Bible says. Unbelief is evil. And we so... So it makes it so important. It just it just should help us to see that it's not a small thing. It's not an unimportant matter uh, how how ideal comes at me and what my reaction is. You know, they say even in the world is more important than the stuff. I mean, people in this world know that. So how about us as believers? We know it better. We should know it better because we have a the Lord with us. We have his Holy Spirit at work in us. And we have a resource for everything, every difficulty that life can throw at us. 
And then it says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And that's what we're doing here. Reminding each other, exhorting each other to remember, to believe God, whatever you're facing, whatever situation in your life you're up against. Believe God. Don't stop believing. Keep on. Keep on. He's, he's trustworthy. God is trustworthy. It's not like, you know, in this world, people become so disillusioned. And, and today we live in a world where truth is um, relevant, you know. Um, and truth is truth is scoffed at pretty much, and there is no absolute truth anymore. It's so sad. I feel so sorry for our young people because they don't know where the truth is, and 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 what a blessing to have that in our lives that we know the truth. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life," and we've embraced that, and we know that. And so we encourage one another and we stir up each other's faith and keep each other going. And that's why we can't do it by ourselves and we can't go solo. And there's so, you know, that's another big thing in our world. Well, I don't need, I don't need the church. I don't need the body of Christ. Yes, we do. We need one another. We need to keep stirring the pots, stirring each other up, stirring the faith and saying, you know, come on, you can do it. God is good. God is faithful. You can trust in him. And as we do that, we help each other get through. And so that's our, our people of like faith. We are precious to one another. For we have become partakers of Christ. Again, there's that word. We're not spectators. We're partakers. We're participants. Hallelujah. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Okay, so here we're saying... Okay, it's not just those who start out, right? There's some people who start out all fired up, and for a while they have the fire, and you say, wow, that person's really on fire. But see how long they last. Do they last? Do they make it to the end? In the Olympics, right, it's not the people who start out good. It's the people who finish good that get the gold medals, right? And and we want to get to the finish, don't we? We want to get to the finish, and we want to get the gold medal from our Heavenly Father. We don't care about the stuff on this earth. But on the other side, that's where we want to hear the well done, good and faithful servant. And so we want to run this race with, with fervency, with ardor, because it matters. It does matter. So, you know, the devil tries to make it, it seem like it doesn't, oh, it doesn't matter. See what you're doing. It doesn't make any difference. Nobody cares. You know, the devil comes at us with all of that continually, all our life long. Oh, it doesn't matter. You, you don't make a difference. He's a liar. Yes. He's a liar. Our life makes a huge difference in God's kingdom. And what we do is eternal. It's for eternity. It's not just for a few fleeting years. Those people get medals, and in 10 years, nobody even remembers their name anymore unless they're particularly great, right? But in the kingdom of God, it's forever. What we do for him is forever. And so we need to stir up our selves and hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it is said today if you will hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion failure in the wilderness all right so i'm going to read it to you from the message because it just brightens it up a bit so watch your step friends make sure there's no evil unbelief lying around that will trip you up and throw you off course diverting you from the living God. For as long as it's still God's today, keep each other on your toes so sin doesn't slow down your reflexes. If we can only keep our grip on the sure thing we started out with, we're in this with Christ for the long haul. 
These words keep ringing in our ears. Today, please listen. Don't turn a deaf ear in the bitter uprising. For those... For who were the people who turned a deaf ear? Weren't they the very ones Moses led out of Egypt? And who was God provoked with for 40 years? Wasn't it those who turned a deaf ear and ended up corpses in the wilderness? And when he swore that they'd never get where they were going, wasn't he talking to the ones who turned a deaf ear? They never got there because they never listened, never believed. So we see here, he just emphasizes that point again. Okay, I'm going to read it also from the New King James. For, for if... If Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. He, he's saying here, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in four. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around here. <laughs> I'm sorry, forgive me. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For which, for who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. But we see here how important it was that God was looking for them to believe what he had said, and that he was good God, that he cared for them, that they could trust in him, and they didn't do it. And his point here, too, is goes beyond that, and he says they didn't get it. They, God said, okay, my covenant with you is broken. I'm going to come and I'm going to give a new covenant one day. And Jesus was the fulfillment of that. And the new covenant is not going to be written on tables of stone, but it's going to be written on the, on the tables of your heart. And so that's really the point here is that <laughs> that old covenant, you know, hey, it's over. It's passed away. And so he's, I'm going to go on a little, only because the thought continues there. Therefore, since a promise that remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to come short of it. Again, the warning, the writer to the Hebrews really has this picture burning in him that if the Old Testament, if, if, if disobeying the rules and regulations of the Old Covenant brought God's wrath upon people and, and the judgment. How much more should we fear that now that he's revealed his son from heaven and that the, it's the new t time of the new covenant, we should be afraid not to embrace it and not to walk in it, not to understand it. And he really wants them to get it. And he says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed to enter the rest, as he said, so I sworn my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So he's saying here that, you know, Jesus came and fulfilled it. And so, and they didn't get it. But now, let's get it. Let's enter in. Let's enter into this rest of his provision, of his um of his goodness, of believing, believing that he is our provider, he is our, our everything, he is everything to us that we need, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, he's, he's paid the price for our sin, he's, he's here to provide for us and care for us, to take us into his family, to give us the fellowship and the, the oneness with him where we can come in and come out and speak to him and pray and, and the whole deal, and he wants us to embrace the whole package and to enter into the rest 
of really the life in the Holy Spirit, right? It's the Holy Spirit that brings a rest into our beings. If we had to figure out how to live this life, we'd constantly be striving, wouldn't we? Constantly be striving and worrying. Oh my goodness, did I do this right? Did I not do this right? Did I, uh, maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need, and some people live their lives like that, but we don't have to. The Holy Spirit poured upon us, empowering us, brings rest into our, into our beings. And the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and prompts us. I mean, even the Spirit prompts us to pray, draws us into prayer, teaches us to pray. And, and so there comes rest into our beings. We don't have to be all out of rest and all worked up and all out of sorts because, you know, we got to do more, we got to do this, we got to, you know, we, we, and how am I going to do this and how can I do this better? And, uh, you know, we, we don't have to be like that. We have the Holy Spirit of God that anoints us, and, and it's there for us. That's our part, though. That's the part we have to do. Is our part is to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit, more and more filled, more and more filled. Because as we are, then what flows from us proves to the world around us that God is God. It wasn't just for the Israelites' sake that he was trying to reveal himself. He loved the Israelites. He chose them. But he really was wanting to show the world that he was a great God and he was a good God and a God of provision and a God of abundance. Yes. And he wanted the world to see that. And they, they failed. And so he's saying, now you have a oppor new opportunity to show the world that there's a mighty God who you know and they can know and you can embrace who can change your life and minister life to you. And so we need to have that life and that passion and be abundantly filled with the Holy Spirit of God so that we can, not just for ourselves, not just to consume it on ourselves, but so that the world can see that we have a mighty God, a powerful God, and he's real. It's not just a figment of our imagination. You know, they're always trying to disprove, right? They're always trying to disprove. Now they say, oh, we found a tomb. We, we found Jesus' bones. We did this. You know, last year it was the Da Vinci Code thing. I mean, it's crazy, crazy stuff. But they're always trying to disprove it, aren't they? And we, have, we need to live in such a way that it shouts out loud to the world. This is my God. God is real. God is powerful. This is what he's done for me. He's mighty, and I believe in him, and I will not stop believing in him. And so may our lives shout the, shout the good news to all who come across our pathway. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful salvation. Thank you that you came to fulfill all that was... Oh, all that you had promised. Thank you that you are the fulfillment, Lord and Savior. And we want to believe in you in such a way that our lives will shout out to the world how good you are, Lord. Oh, make us faithful witnesses, Lord. And we pray that you will baptize us anew and afresh in the Holy Ghost and fire. And daily we will come for our portion and be anointed more and more and more and more in Jesus name hallelujah amen amen hallelujah glory to God